Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot topics number 51. Sexual Health Awareness Month is spreading the word about healthy relationships and understanding sexual health. The American Sexual Health Association believes that sexual health includes far more than avoiding disease or unplanned pregnancy. A study showed that two weeks of reduced physical activity caused changes in health markers that are associated with type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Nearly 4,000 Americans commit suicide within a month. That's about 129 a day. These are six questions that may help stop a suicide. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks. Right? We are back again. We are back in back, the hot seat. Uh, back in the hot seat again. We're not a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> We're hot stuff. We hot. <laughs> We yes, are hot stuff. Hot stuff. And it's hot. Isn't it that is. crazy I how know. the weather is? It's going to be 90 next you week. You know, the, the summer wasn't really that cool. I mean, it wasn't that great. And now it looks like now it's fall. We're starting to have summer. Summer now. Isn't that something? It's weird. But Things the weather been... was so nice this morning. I got up. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday morning, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's yeah. not going to last that long. I know. So uh, is it 90s going to be in the 90s next mm-hmm. week? That's what they really? said next week. Wow. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 51. We want to, you know, I always go through this spiel every podcast, but yeah, we want you to subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to this this podcast show. (laughs) It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness. On Apple Podcasts, you can do Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, you know, any of the platforms that you listen to, make sure you listen to us because when you subscribe, you get notifications when we post a new show and you will be the first to know. So make sure, make sure you take the time to subscribe today. And you can always find us on our website where we have our past archives of the show. Look on the VDF podcast and you'll be able to listen to us there as well. We say this every, every week. week. Yeah. Yes, you have to subscribe, yeah, you de- guys. You definitely do. Definitely you subscribe. Do. And you will not regret it at all. I know. And we know that our subscription list. Is growing because yeah. we know, yeah, because you guys are downloading and sharing. So we definitely know that you are out there. And so we want to also encourage all of you to go to our resources page, www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources. And there you will find products, services that will be helpful as you embrace a life of health and fitness. And we have a variety of items on our resource list for you to check out and try. We just want to make sure that you know that we added a new product to our list. It's not a new product out in the world 
It's Spanx. I Everybody think Oprah know. made that famous, didn't she? <laughs> she sure did. Everybody know everything about Spanx, that, right? Everything that Oprah touched turned to gold, but I right? think that was one of her turn to gold products. Right. The lady came on her show, Sarah. I can't remember her last can't name either. But she came on the show, and the next thing she's you a millionaire. Know, you better believe she's it. She's a millionaire. Everybody talking about Spanx, right. and she has really perfected that now uh-huh. it's a powerhouse it's a lifestyle brand uh-huh. and Spanx are they are offering both innerwear solutions figure flattering outerwear it's a smarter more comfortable must-have to wear you got the bras the undies the leggings the active wear also and then the arm tights which i thought was very interesting, mm, interesting. to put on your arm yeah, for the yeah, for so the you, bat wings yeah so you don't want to have bat wings yeah so that's interesting, uh, that's interesting. who would have thought of that who would have thought of that they're doing it good and so spanx we want you to check them out they're on our resources page because yeah we know that you are trying to lose weight or you're just perfecting your how you are your ideal weight, your lifting weights, so that you can be toned. But you know, get the spanks now. Or want to, or want to look nice in a dress that you have to go to a big event. Right. That's so what a lot of the movie stars do, do anyway. Yeah. So get the spanks yeah. going on. Yeah. Get it out. Definitely. Get it out. And so yeah, you'll find all this and other products on our resources page. We want to remind you that when you um, use any of these affiliate links on our page, you are supporting us here at Vicky Doe Fitness. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Yeah, Dee, I'm running crazy. You, you f- are in the trenches. Oh, my God, yes. You are in the trenches. Next the time week. is coming fast and furious. I know, but think about it, though. September almost over. What are we doing? Three more months. It's a uh, new year. <laughs> <laughs> Three I can't. more months is tax time. <laughs> oh. Christmas will be here. Christmas will be here. Yeah. Thanksgiving. And then my daughter, you know, they always laugh at me. They say, are we having any decorations? I said, I don't know. I've been on sabbatical about three years. I don't know if I can pull that <laughs> off this true, year. You did. <laughs> you were. But it's so, it's so, um, the time is just so I know. fast. I know. And then putting up all that stuff and then taking it all uh, down. It's, it's a chore. It's different if you have little children around who are going to They love bring that. It. They love all that. But if you're just, it's just, you know. I got I might, I might put up one of those artificial little trees that mm-hmm. I get from Walmart. Yeah. And a stocking. That's about it. Yeah. Well, see, I can't do If I put it up, I got to go all out. Because right. they'll be like, yeah. well, where's this? And well, you where's had that? beautiful trees. You have beautiful where's trees. Where's that? Where's this? But I've been on sabbatical for about yeah. three years. <laughs> Well, I can't make year, up nothing this, this year. year. You'll come back. Yeah, this year I might have to come yeah. back, D. Yeah. yeah, I might have to, to come, come back. back. I'll let Nate do his uh, rendition and <laughs> contribution. Is he still going to put the pumpkins in the yard? <laughs> he already planning that. I'm not <laughs> mad at him. I am not mad I'm at like, Dr. Doe. I'm like, Nate, honey, sweet. Why we, I'm you not, know, pe- do you realize people talk about how, <laughs> he said, yeah, they're talking about how great it looks. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. But those are the things that go on at the dough house. At but the yeah. House. So yeah. that's my week. Yep. What's your week? So I don't think we've talked since I went to Dream Girls. No. Dream Girls yes. was fabulous. It was a fabulous performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of the play was this 23 year old young man, Trey Maurice. Mm-hmm. Um, we met him, remember? Yes, that's, yes. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then Karen Clark Green's son was in the performance. Yes, okay. uh, I think his name is Tony Green. I'm not sure. Sh- I think his name is Tony. He was fabulous. He mm-hmm. was Curtis. Okay. And, and then the young lady from Cleveland yes. who played Effie. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard. Heard her sing. Right. You know, when you when you heard her sing, she had maxed perfection by the time we heard her for the performance. I mean, oh, people were goodness. crying in the audience. You turn oh, around, my. people were in tears. It was she sang her heart out. So it was a great, it was sold out. Yes. Both weekends were sold out to the extent that they had to add another matinee. That's what, yeah. Uh-huh. So it was really, really good. So kudos to them. And then last week I went to a, a preview party for the Cleveland Museum of Art has brought in I saw 18 that. to 20 yes. Michelangelo's. I, I mean, saw that. Michelangelo of David and mm-hmm. the Pieta and all of that. Yeah, uh, coming to Cleveland, Ohio. Coming to Cleveland. I mean, 
in my opinion, because it's going from Cleveland to the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, oh. it's worth a drive. I mean, if you yes. live in Detroit, it's worth a drive to Cleveland. If you live in yes, you folks, know, close come, prop, come, close come to Ohio, yeah, Columbus, it's worth the drive because these drawings are over five hundred years old. I can't imagine what the insurance was. On oh my these God! To bring these up, and most of these came from the Netherlands. They were in um, Harlem, the city of Harlem, that kept them, but. <laughs> But everybody should, and it was just, a, it was great. And then all through the month at the museum, they're going to have all kinds of Italian things. Like they're going to do one one preview party one night where they're going to do Italian cooking. Okay, They're okay. going to have a chef and stuff. Okay. So, oh, yeah. that's going to be great. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great week. And they're going to have some lectures on Michelangelo and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that was that was my week. Well, that was exciting. That was, yeah, yeah trying that's to, a, trying to get a little culture. Yeah, we got to yeah, do that. Well, go ahead, D. You know, I'm just trying to do what I can do. Hey, they say let it do what it do. I'm trying to do do what I can do. There you go. Yeah. So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicky. Everything. Yes. And so, you know, every month we try to bring out health mm-hmm. awareness. And this month is it's Sexual Health Awareness Month. And the ASHA believes that sexual health, and I thought this was definitely up your alley, my sister. Oh, you know it is. You know, I have something to say after you finish. Oh, I'm sure. Today's show today did a little segment. I'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. Mm -hmm. So ASHA believes that sexual health includes far more than avoiding disease or unplanned pregnancy. And they also believe that having a sexual transmitted infection or unplanned pregnancy does not prevent someone from being or becoming sexually healthy. And so here are some definitions that the ASHA, they've given to us, and we're going to talk about those. That's their definition of sexual health. Sexual health is the ability to embrace and enjoy our sexuality throughout our lives, right? Yep. Yep. It is an important part of our physical and emotional health. Being sexually healthy means, number one, understanding that sexuality is a natural part of life and includes more than sexual behavior. Number two, recognizing and respecting the sexual rights we all share. Number three, having access to sexual health information, education, and care. And number four, making an effort to prevent unattended pregnancies and STDs and seek care and treatment when needed. And number five, being able to experience sexual pleasure, satisfaction, and intimacy when desired. And last but not least, being able to communicate about sexual health with others, including sexual partners and healthcare providers. We never really talk fully about Mm -mm. sexual health, Mm -mm. do we? No, and what I was going to talk about this morning, they had um, a segment with Lisa Kudrey, Beyonce's mother, Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Hanks' wife, Maria Shriver, and they were sitting around the table talking about you know, life after 50, 50-ish or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics that came up was conversations about sexual health in mm-hmm. women, menopausal women, that how doctors don't address, well, they don't, doctors don't really address a lot of the issues with basic sexually transmitted diseases. I mean, they the conversation about partners, that was one of the ways early on that we missed picking up people who were HIV positive because doctors wouldn't, mm. wouldn't assess who was at high risk. And this whole PrEP thing is another thing that doctors don't talk about sexual health because we know that there are a significant number of people who could be on PrEP that are not. Mm -hmm. The other thing that they talked about, which is true, is that, you know, women, that we have all kinds of products for men, Viagra, this, that, and the other, but nobody's looking at women's sexual health or if they come out with a drug, which we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. it's got 55 side effects. I I mean, like, you know, if you take this, you could be a werewolf. I mean, like, now who's going to take that? So, you know, the the research is kind of like lopsided. I'm glad I did not know that this was that. Yes. I think that everybody needs to all physicians and 
nurse practitioners and mm-hmm. you know clinical nurse specialists and everybody needs to again go back in and do more risk assessment for patients for, for sexual health exactly. young young and old right and young let's talk about old. you know from a nutrition standpoint right. from a um, exercise standpoint what you can do so that people can enjoy sex exactly because exactly. that's a part of life it's not discussed physicians don't discuss mm-hmm. it they don't even know how to discuss it I think that's part of the problem that's not that's certainly not part of a curriculum right and it maybe should be more of a curriculum in so. medical school so young doctors coming out will have more better understanding of how to talk to their patients so trust me you know when I started out talking about wellness and the dimensions it was at least maybe six or seven and then we added eight nine uh-huh. uh, we talked about financial health we uh-huh. talked about mental health uh-huh. you know and all that I am sure we probably going to be up to 10 because they're going to yeah. add sexual health they on ne- that. It needs to be. And that needs yeah. to be. Yeah. That's a dimension it is. of wellness. Of wellness. It absolutely is. Health sure and well-being. Sure it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was really great. Yeah. And for all of us, you know, the question is, are we participating in sexual health? And so for more information about healthy relationships and understanding sexual health, go to the website, American Sexual Health association that's www.ashasexualhealth.org and that's why i'm hoping we can get dr gail wyatt to come on and talk about sexual health that would be so great that's that's on my my thing to work on i'm gonna work on that on the next week to try to see if we can get her because she is wonderful yeah that would be excellent i can't think of a better person to come on and talk about that oh definitely Yeah. yeah that is great I watched the Emmys I a little bit. I didn't get to see it. I don't know what I was doing. I was I was watching something else or somewhere else and didn't get a chance to. Oh, I know. I was watching. Wasn't it on Sunday? Uh-huh. I was watching the Browns game and the Indians game and stuff. Yeah, so going I back and forth because it was because I was going back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah, too. Yeah. And I watched. I only watched. I taped it and I only watched little bits Snippets. and pieces uh-huh. because I always <coughs> watch the fashion part right, first and exactly. then I'm done. Usually. How were the fashions this year? They were nice. Usually our colorful. friend Kim Akins comes out on Facebook and does a review <laughs> of all the <laughs> She always does a review the, of the dresses and they stuff. They were colorful this oh, year. Good. A lot of Great. a lot of skin showing and colorful okay. stuff. Good. Not drab. No. Great. Not drab. Very colorful. Yeah. So I kind of, they were interesting. I kind of like them this year. The the main two things, because you know, we were talking about on this show, when they see us, the Netflix special. A very tough show to watch. Yes. Very tough. The main guy, what's his name? Jarrell Jerome that paid the hardest character. What was his name? Corey. Mm -hmm. The one that was in, that was in prison the longest. And his story was very yeah. Dr- dramatic. Yeah. yeah, he played him, and he won the lead yes, actor. Good for him. The lead actor. Because I saw where Ava DuVernay, who was the one who directed the series, brought the the original group with her to yes. the Emmys. Yeah, they came. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, Central, Park Central Park Five. Central Park Five, right. That's yeah, right. brought them, yeah. and oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yes. deep. It's deep. So It's very difficult to watch. I still, I still, no, I couldn't. I watched the first, I, I, I watched the segments. first one. I haven't watched the others because it, the first one is just mm. so depressing. Mm. It is. It's just so depressing. And most especially, I could see if that used to happen. Most especially when you it's know that n- thing can over. happen. It's not over in 2019. Oh, and it's in happening tw- now. In 2019. In 2019. That's what makes it so yes. hard to watch it was and very depressing. Very difficult to watch. Yeah, and depressing. But yeah. yeah, so he won. Good for him. And then you know the the flamboyant. I know <laughs> Billy Porter. Yes, Mr. They have, Kinky Boots. That's exactly it. Mr. Kinky Boots. That's exactly it. Well, he's from Pittsburgh. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, he's yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yes. Pose is the the drama. I've never seen that. Have you seen it? I've I've seen bits and pieces. Oh, okay. He's brilliant. He's on the that. first openly gay yes. actor to win that mm-hmm. prize, mm-hmm. that uh, award, lead actor in a drama series. They had a lot of stuff going on. Good. I taped it because I know I always go to sleep. Yeah, me too. I always go to sleep. I went to you sleep. You know, I was out. I know. I know. I almost <laughs> went to sleep on the Browns game, but it was kind of exciting, so I didn't really sleep on that. Yeah, they doing a yeah. little something. They're, they're, something. They're, trying to, they're, trying to get, they're trying to pull it together. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to pull it together. Uh-huh. 
okay. they're not there yet, but they're trying to pull it together. At least they try. I know they're trying. Because all the other times other it's <laughs> Better than the other previous years. It seemed years. like they just go, know, okay, gave up. whatever. I know, it's a right? crapshoot on what's going to happen. I yeah. know. But okay, yeah. okay. So the Emmys, you know, it was very interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know. I like to see people come all dolled up yeah. and everything. But that's what happened. Oh, good. Did you, because I know you watched the fashion. Did you see this about the Gucci model? I saw that. And, you know, and I, and I actually went on. YouTube to try to see if I could find exactly what they were talking about. And I did see. Did you see the the, the straight jackets? Yes. yes. On Sunday night, the article is about Gucci model stages mental health pr- protest at the Milan Fashion Week. Well, this was Fashion Week in Milan. Right. Gucci on Sunday night was particularly, Gucci's show was particularly surreal, opening with a series of models. And they were being propelled on a conveyor belt catwalk, mm-hmm. staring ahead, and then wearing straight jackets. And mm-hmm. for those of you out there mm-hmm. that don't know what a straight jacket is, a straight jacket is what they put people who are mentally ill, who are out of control mm-hmm. in, so they won't hurt themselves or hurt somebody else until they can get some medication in them. Mm-hmm. But however, in a protest that a press officer confirmed was not planned, one of the models, her name is Asia Tan Jones, she identifies as a non-binary uh, model mm-hmm. she held her hands up and written in her hand she had mental health is not fashion and it went on instagram and so mm-hmm. forth the video was accompanied by a statement that said as an artist and model who has experienced my own struggles with mental health as well as family members and loved ones who have been affected by depression anxiety bipolar and schizophrenia it's hurtful and insensitive for a major fashion house such as gucci to use this imagery as a concept for a fleeting fashion moment And she said it's in bad taste for Gucci to use the imagery of straight jackets and outfits alluding to mental patients. And it was kind of crass. That is kind of, yeah. Like putting them on a conveyor belt, like, like factory meat a piece of meat. So presenting these struggles as props for selling clothes in today's capitalist climate is vulgar, unimaginative, and offensive to the millions of people around the world affected by these mm-hmm. issues. So there were some people who defended the, mm-hmm. the show and said it was more provocative reminder of submission than a glamorization of insanity. Mm. The Gucci's director, Alessandro Michel, said that he had been thinking about humanity in uniforms, and a uniform is something that blocks and constrains you, that makes you anonymous, that makes you follow the direction of travel. The straight jacket was the highest type of uniform. Well, I mean, so were the Nazi. Can you imagine the outcry if they had them marching out with the straight Holocaust concentration right. camp outfits? Yes. I think that's the same kind of thing. That's the same you thing. You know, same kind of statement. And mm-hmm. Gucci said the uniforms and straight jackets were a statement for fashion show and will not be sold. Well, duh. The brand's notoriously philosophical press notes dug into the concept further, mm-hmm. referencing Michael Falkult, biopolitics and the microphysics of power that molecularly operates inside society, a power that legitimizes only some existences, confining the others inside a realm, regime of containment and or invisibility. Mental health campaigners might point out that people who have mental health issues and live on the margins of society could relate to that experience. Mm. And this was the brand's first ready-to-wear show. Now, they mm-hmm. had just come off of being mm. criticized for having a black face. Yes. Remember, they had, a, I think it was a T-shirt or something yes. like that. Gucci pulled that. You see, this is the problem when you don't have people sitting at the table that look like people of color. Right. Or somebody who might have mental health issues because you're thinking when they're sitting at the table making Written these somebody, decisions. But they got, we all got somebody, that in our right, family, though. Everybody's got some mental health situation. That's it. Wouldn't that not have clicked off right. on anybody, whether you were persons of color or whatever, that this might not be a good idea, mm. especially with the mental health problems that we're seeing in the world. Big time now. And so after the opening tableau, which was searingly lit, <clears throat> the audience was plunged into darkness, then the lights flickered on and the main collection was shown. So then that's when you had these people walking up and down. And then they talked about what the collection looked like and so forth. And, you know, apparently yeah. it was very nice. And they had all the movie stars and stuff there, but... Gucci really wasn't available for further commentary, but I'm sure they're going to go back to the drawing board and reassess this. This was the brand's first carbon neutral show with attendance, carbon dioxide emissions offset, and the set to be reused in shops, blah, blah, blah. But I just think the main issue is that this young woman had the courage yeah, to come out. And, and supposedly, now I don't know, I was just getting a little bit of this background. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, she talked about this with other models who had decided that they were not going to 
do this. They didn't okay. want to do the protest. Okay. And she was like, well, cool. This was not staged. And she was the only one that did it. And the other models just decided that they didn't, for want whatever to be reason, right. want to do it. But, you know, it was kind of a leap of, she's London-based. And it was kind mm. of like a, a leap of um, a leap of faith, a mm-hmm. leap of a courage. Yes. You know, because Maya Angelou used to always say, courage is the most important virtue. Because without courage, you can't really have anything else. You can't else. do nothing else. You can't You're really right. do anything else. So mm-hmm. kudos to her for bringing this mental health. You know, and you know me with, with my Wounded Warriors project and so forth, I'm mm-hmm. a big thing with the military guys who are committing suicide mm-hmm. left and right we'll talk about that a little bit later Big time. who because of the stigma and all that attached to mental health issues don't come have, out have, right, right. They don't right. come and ask for help. No, or nothing. they don't because of the stigma, the macho thing, the mm-hmm. testosterone thing. So good for her for coming out and doing that. Yeah, but you, <sighs> who was sitting at the table? You always think, well, where are they getting these weird ideas from? I don't understand from. the straight jacket. Really, that's the best you could come up with. Thank you. Mm-mm. Like no. I said, it would be the same if they had the concentration camp outfits. Big time. Making fun of or that situation. And stuff or chains. Or chains. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or chains. People, mm-hmm. Models chained to each yes. other. Yes. That wouldn't be funny. Oh, no. That wouldn't be fashion. No, but I could see them doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's... Well, I mean, you know, the people try because to. Because they, they think of these crazy ideas. Exactly. And they don't think about the insensitivity of it all. Well, and most of them, here's the problem, though. You know, these are. These are the maybe the millennials or the Gen Z sometime mm-hmm. that are doing the um, these fashion and these mm-hmm. marketing and stuff mm-hmm. like that that might not have gone through that whole history. You'd be and surprised. You'd be surprised how they don't and teach you're right. a lot of and you're right true history right. in the schools. And you're right. So we can't be too and mad. they're oblivious to the, the fact that they're that they're being insensitive. Right. So maybe we're not giving, you know, being a little too harsh on them. Right. And that's why you need sensitivity training and exactly. and, and diversity, inclusion and equity and all of that. Yes. Training. And proper history. Proper history. Background. In the school. Right. Exactly. It starts there. It starts right. there. Don't starts not do there. history right. in school. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought the the next what's going on would be great to talk about because mm-hmm. most especially you, you know you're in medicine and getting folks of color. Mm-hmm. This is a Latino and she's a woman as well. Mm-hmm. She grew up disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Now she helps minorities pursue careers in medicine. Mm-hmm. And it was in what Ruck, Rutgers, Rutgers today. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your your view on that? Yeah, I thought so, that was you interesting. know this is near and dear to me since uh-huh. I love to teach, love yes. to mentor, love to bring students along. Mm-hmm. Um, her story is her name is Maria Soto Green. Mm-hmm. She's worked for almost thirty years supporting underrepresented students and faculty throughout their careers. Mm-hmm. And she's executive vice dean of Rutgers New Jersey School of Medicine. She's gotten a lot of accolades and awards for being a champion of diversity inclusion and equity. Mm-hmm. So this article just talks about where she came from. How did this how did this come to be? Right. She started a career in medicine in 1980 mm-hmm. and you need to understand the layers of her life. She mm-hmm. says you will find that the path she took to get where she is today is much like the one taken by more than a thousand students and 200 minority faculty who have been mentored through the Hispanic Center mm. of Excellence and its Center for Excellence Consortium on Minority Faculty Development. And I'm assuming both of these are at the New Jersey her uh-huh. institution, Rutgers. The key lessons in life came from her grandmother, okay. who was a matriarch of the family. And she was a fascinating individual, she said, who worked hard through the Great Depression, but didn't have much, but didn't speak ill of anybody. She grew up in a four-room flat in Hoboken. Neither of her parents, who came to New Jersey from Puerto Rico, had a high school education. Her mother was a teenager when she was born. Mm-hmm. And at 16, her family had little money, no health insurance, and couldn't afford a telephone. And that same year, her 15-year-old brother died, and she says that she believes because they misdiagnosed him or didn't make a diagnosis of brain tumor. Ah. So that that weighed on her. So four years later, as she was about to graduate from what is now Douglas Residential College, Mm -hmm. an assistant dean at New Jersey Medical School who taught a course she took at Rutgers gave her some life-altering advice. When Soto Green told him that she had planned to begin a, a career as a medical technologist, he recognized her potential and encouraged her to pursue a career as a doctor. And I've done that and many times. that is so 
important. I have done that so many times. I was like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that profession, but mm-hmm. if you could, go, you're smart. If you could go a little bit farther, mm-hmm. you know, why not be a doctor? Might as well. You know, why not be a doctor? Wow. So, um, yeah. and that led to the work she's been doing over the past three decades to improve the lives of minority students and encourage them to go into medical and other health professions. He asked me what I was going to do for the rest of my life, this professor, mm-hmm. and if he hadn't, and she who started a career in critical care and emergency medicine, if he hadn't said that, I can say that I wouldn't be here today. Oh, wow. Soto Green's story is like that of Jesus Rosado, a surgical resident at the New mm-hmm. Jersey School, mm-hmm. who says the thought of becoming a doctor from a single-parent home where no one in the family had gone to college was just a dream. Mm-hmm. Until 16, at age 16, he got involved in Summer Youth Scholars Program at the medical school's Hispanic Center for Excellence. This is why That's these it. programs are so important. important. That's it. Because these kids don't think that they have a chance of getting into any of the medical school. Mm-hmm. Everything changed the moment I was accepted to participate, said Rosado, Jesus Rosado. It was there I could meet other people who were like me. I was inspired to pursue my dreams and make them a reality. Soto Green says she realized from the beginning of her career that certain people have advantages and others feel like they have negative labels on their backs. They may be poor, come from uneducated families, and the, the bar for them is set low. Big time. The bar is set low. Mm-hmm. There are individuals who have incredible potential, but they don't get tapped. Mm-hmm. It's so important when you achieve success that you don't forget how you got there and provide support mm-hmm. and help others. That's why she wanted to create the student and faculty organizations that focus on minority populations. Good for her. Good for her. We yeah. need allies because this is collectively going to inspire us all to make a difference. Soto Green, who got her start, like I said, with support from the New Jersey Educational Opportunity Fund, which assists low-income students who are capable and motivated but not adequately prepared, has been recognized for developing and supporting enrichment programs for high school and college students. Recently, uh, Soto Green received the Association of American Colleges 2019 Herbert Nickens Award Mm -hmm. given to individuals who make outstanding contributions to promoting justice in medical education and healthcare equity in the United States. Bravo to her. Yes. Yes, Bravo to her. This is so needed because, Mm -hmm. you know, these students fall by the wayside. They don't see anybody that looks like them. They don't see anybody that looks like them to give them the opportunity that you can do this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also important, not just for students, I was at a meeting in Washington a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. When we're talking about faculty in universities, you know, That's be it the key. be it medical universities or just or any of the any universities. universities, yeah, you know, the lack of minority faculty, the lack of chairman of the departments. We were talking about that. How many people of color get to be chairmen or chairpersons of departments? I talk about that all and the that's time. Still in 2019, you don't see still it. lacking. Mm-hmm. You know, I would. You don't see very, you, very few very tenured. Few, very few tenured. Uh-huh, I would. I would challenge you to go to any. Maybe not Harvard, because Harvard is trying to do a, a, a little, a little something, something. But huh? go to any of them. I would say any of them. I bet it's less than ten percent. It's less. Anybody who's chairman of most major divisions in a university mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Now there may be some women. Women have done better with affirmative action than anybody, but still, not a lot of them. But and still, certainly it's not, not a lot of people of color. color. It's no, right. no, no. Right? Am no. I right? You are absolutely yeah. right. Because yeah. I still so walk it's just through. Not medicine. Look, I've been still walking through some halls well, and I ain't seen nobody that's yet. Say, that's why I said that. Except me. I know you could. Understand. And I walk through the halls. Right. <laughs> I know you could understand that. And then when you get there, there's only one, and it's lonely up there. It's Thank very you. lonely. Thank you. It's very lonely at the top. And that's why for, yeah, you know, I know I'm in and out Mm -hmm. of academia because I'm more of the business Uh part. But that's why I try to show up and and be doing and involved with my colleagues. And I will have to say for them, and these are my uh, white colleagues, they always try to include me because they focus on that. They kind of know that they do need to... Think about mm-hmm. diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something, right? Yeah. Well, every time that we come on the show, we always have a health tip. And this time, because we know people are out there trying to be in this good weather and walk and mm-hmm. do a little something, mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. We are talking about muscle strain risk factors. And we also know that a lot of athletes are back uh, school, high school, yep. trying to get in shape for their games. This is muscle strain risk factors written by Health Day News. 
pulled muscles occur frequently in athletes. Most strains respond well to non-surgical treatments. However, some strains can result in partial or complete tears, says the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. The Academy mentions these risk factors for muscle strain. Number one, muscle tightness. Athletes should always stretch. Number two, muscle imbalance, which can occur during high-speed activity. So during high-speed activities, muscle imbalance can occur. Number three, poor conditioning can be a risk factor for muscle strain. Weak muscles are less able to cope with stress. Muscle fatigue, which makes muscle more susceptible to injury. Old age or adolescence can cause, can be a, a risk factor for muscle strain. And last but not least, athletes who participate in football, like I said, all that's coming, you know, people are mm-hmm. practicing, mm-hmm. doing games, mm-hmm. but athletes who participate in football, soccer, basketball, running, sprinting, and dancing are especially at risk and should take extra precautions. And this is what the Academy says. And for all of us that aren't athletes, but we're out there, you know, being the weekend warrior. Weekend warriors, exactly, (laughs) right. Let's take all these Mm -hmm. precautions, definitely, because as we get older, you know, we are definitely at risk for getting muscle strain. So Mm -hmm. we got to do all the things that we can do to prevent that. Stretching is so important. As I learned when I was running, stretching is so important. I remember I got a lateral collateral uh, ligament tear that took eight months to heal. Oh, it's going to take. It took a lot because that's not like, you know, it doesn't have a great blood supply. So that took a while. And then I had a meniscus tear. So stretching is so important. You know, cold, you know, running out there, dashing out there without stretching and stuff is not good. It's not good. Mm -mm. So Oh, I know that's the so, debate. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the debate. Within it is the whether, ex- whether you should do, whether you should do. Whether you should stretch before or, or pole, before. Yeah, or, the, yeah. or some people say you don't stretch right. and this and that and the other because it'll mess I up. I remember my son, Matthew, telling me that, no, not big, but you need to do a little stretching. You have before. to. And he then. A little stretching and, as a Marine. Yeah. And then stretching. for all of us that are getting older, forget about that. You need to stretch. Yeah, don't even worry exactly. about it. Exactly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No. And as far as I'm concerned, everyone needs to stretch. I agree. Absolutely. What it depends on is whether it's dynamic versus static. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. But everyone should stretch. Exactly. Okay. So there it is. Yep. So what's the latest, D? You always um, hook yeah. us up. Yeah. So we're back to the Ebola situation. And mm-hmm. this is an interesting article that talked about independent Ebola vaccination committee is needed to overcome lack of World Health Organization transparency. So the, the current Ebola outbreak has a mortality rate comparable to the West Africa outbreak despite new treatments and vaccines being available. So we've come a long way from where we were three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Not enough eligible people have been vaccinated. One reason for which is the World Health Organization that I will say is WHO, I know. strict mm-hmm. limits on the number of doses used in the field. Mm-hmm. We call for the establishment of an international independent committee to transparently manage Ebola vaccine stocks and their use. So more than a year into this ongoing Ebola situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo, the disease has killed over 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. The mortality rate is around 67, which is comparable with the mortality rate in 2014 and 2016, the West Africa outbreak, when neither therapeutic treatments nor a vaccine were available. So you got a vaccine and the numbers are still the same. Wow. While a highly effective vaccine is now available, is now able to offer some protection, the number of people vaccinated is not enough. The pace of vaccination activities is too slow, and only a fraction of the eligible population is benefiting from this tool, says the Medicine Sans Frontier. I think these are those d- doctors, the French doctors that go out. Doctors think, without borders. Doctors without borders, exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. One reason is the opaque management of the vaccine supplies by the World Health Organization, who imposes strict limits on the number of doses. So it's like, it's like giving firefighters a bucket of water mm-hmm. to put out a fire, but only allowing them to use one cup of water a day. Oh, wow. So thanks to the efforts of the Democratic Republic of Congo Ministry of Health and World Health Organization, about 220,000 people have been vaccinated and they're working on other vaccines. We think that upping the pace of vaccination is necessary and feasible. At least 2,000 to 2,500 people could be vaccinated every day instead of the 500 to 1,000 that are currently being vaccinated. 
We have a vaccine that's safe and effective. We have teams ready to be deployed. There's no problem with the cold chain. There are enough doses to cover the current needs and to allow for an extension of the vaccine coverage. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat to this. Despite the new vaccine and new therapeutic treatments available that can dramatically increase survival, outbreak continues to rage. As I said, as many as 40% of the deaths are represented by people, and we get into this cultural thing, who died at home before they could even be identified as patients. These rates have been relatively stable over time. While the pace of transmission appears to have slightly ebbed in recent months, some areas have been active hotspots for a year now, and other hotspots have become active after extended periods. Community mistrust and resistance, which we've talked about here, because mm-hmm. we even had some physicians that have been killed going into these mm. areas. Community mistrust and resistance have often been pointed out as a major obstacle in the fight against Ebola, said Dr. Natalie Roberts. In reality, people would seek medical care at the onset of symptoms mm-hmm. if we told them loud and clear that they can be cured with treatments recently proven to greatly increase their chances of survival. They would also come to be vaccinated in greater numbers if more people were aware that they can be protected. We need to stop blaming communities for their own deaths. On the one hand, they are saying um, that resistance to and mistrust. But on the other hand, maybe there's not so much of that. Maybe that the the, the cultural thing is not as big because that's all you hear about doctors getting killed and the people don't want anybody to come and they don't mm-hmm. want you to burn grandma up because she's dead because you got to burn the bodies. We need to stop blaming communities for their own deaths and make sure more people have access to treatments and vaccines. So the article goes on to talk about how World Health Organization needs to release their tight control over release of the vaccination to make sure that more people have access to it. And I imagine, too, I mean, if we're having trouble getting information out about PrEP, how do you get information out in the Congo about that there is a vaccine? You know, that's a problem, too. Oh, I know. Of trying to get them to understand that there is a vaccine out there. I know, I know. Basically, it just says that to allow for the best possible use of experimental tools in an outbreak context, transparency is key. How can we support the Congolese authorities in using these tools? How can we expect the Congolese people to trust a system that is not even transparent to frontline healthcare workers mm-hmm. like some of the Doctors Without Borders? The Doctors Without Borders with the Medicine Sand Frontiers calls for the urgent creation of an independent international coordination committee based on the model of the International Coordination Group created in 1997, the International Federation of the Red Cross, UNICEF, which we know, which have proved successful in managing massive meningitis outbreaks, cholera, and yellow fever. The committee would bring partners together to improve coordination on vaccination, increase transparency and stock management, share data, foster an open dialogue with the manufacturers, and ultimately ensure that the vaccine is provided to all who need it. Isn't that a novel idea, working together? I know, right? Right? Isn't that a novel idea, <laughs> working together? Okay. So there it is. Okay, wow. There it is. I'll briefly mention this. This okay. article that you mentioned about cases of undiagnosed yeah, febrile illness. Yeah, what's that? Well, basically what it is is they're touching on, mm-hmm. and they can't say because it's back and forth, maybe a little mini teeny outbreak possibly in Tanzania. And so they had, they had a couple patients that mm-hmm. one of the tests kind of showed that there was a possibility of Ebola, and then another test didn't prove that it was accurate. So basically the article is saying for anybody that's heard anything like that, there is no travel restriction right now to Tanzania. Right now there is no evidence of an Ebola outbreak of any kind in Tanzania. So they just wanted people to know that you may be hearing little snippets about this, a little a febrile illness that may be associated with Ebola. It's not Ebola. So wow. you can still go to Tanzania, at least at this juncture. At this, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. But but it's just interesting how we have, the, yeah. you know, these little outbreaks and yeah. different things going yeah. on. Don't we? Don't yeah. you think we're getting um, a lot of little stuff yeah. going on yeah. worldwide? Yeah, I agree. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 51. Now, our first article, it says just two weeks on the couch starts to damage your body. And this is written by Health Day News. You can find this article on Vicky Doe Fitness. Now, here's the deal. When I say it takes 14 days 
That's what this means. It takes 14 days to start deconditioning. That's scary. Uh, this is exactly mm-hmm. what this article mm-hmm. is talking about. Mm-hmm. It says a new study proves that the old adage, use it or lose it, mm-hmm. is definitely true when it mm-hmm. comes to fitness. Mm-hmm. After just two weeks of sedentary behavior, formerly fit people had, number one, a decline in heart and lung health. Number two, increased waist circumference. Number three, greater body fat and liver fat. Mm -hmm. And number four, higher levels of insulin resistance. The study showed that two weeks of reduced physical activity from approximately 10,000 steps per day down to 1,500 per day caused changes in health markers that are associated with type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And this was said by the study's author, Kelly Bowden Davies. Mm -hmm. She's a lecturer at Newcastle University and the University of Liverpool Mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. But the good news from the study is that the body, yes, it can quickly bounce back once you start moving again. And Mm -hmm. that's the key. And she said, it's important to note that when people resume their normal activity levels, After this period, the negative health changes were reversed. And so the researchers recruited 28 healthy, regularly active adults. 18 were women. The average age of the study volunteers was 32. Their average body mass index, a rough measure of the body fat based on height and weight measurements, was just over 24. A BMI under 24.9 is considered normal weight. Now, the study volunteers had been quite active, normally clocking about 10,000 steps daily. Bowden Davis said most of this was just from daily activity rather than the structured exercise. She said they usually participate in no more than two hours of structured exercise weekly. The researchers asked the volunteers to cut their activity drastically. They dropped an average of just over 100 minutes a day, the researchers said. After two weeks of the couch potato life, the study volunteers underwent a battery of testing. These results were compared to findings measured when the study started. Bowden Davis said cardiorespiratory fitness levels dropped by 4% in just two weeks. Waist circumference rose by nearly one-third of an inch. Liver fat increased by 0.2%. Total body fat went up 0.5%. Insulin resistance it increased and triglyceride, a type of body fat, levels went up slightly. 14 days after resuming the activity, these measures all bounced back, the investor, uh, investigators found. Even subtle increases in activity can have a positive effect on health. Moving more and breaking up sedentary activity is encouraged, and that is what Bowden Davis added. Dr. John Osborne, an American Heart Association sportsman, said this was a very interesting and somewhat surprising study. The findings validate advice he gives his patients. And this is the advice. He says, if you can be a shark or a turtle, be a shark. Always moving. This study showed you can lose the benefits of exercise very quickly. But the good news is that when they became sharks again, all the benefits came right back. Mm -hmm. Dr. Edmund Grangrich, he's the chief of endocrinology and vice chairman of medicine at New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital in New York City, was also somewhat surprised by the magnitude of changes that happened in just two weeks. And Grangrich said the study confirms how important it is to stay active. Going from being sedentary to more active can help a great deal in preventing the onset of type 2 diabetes. Just try to be more active. You'll feel better. And you're trying to lose weight. It can help a little. You don't have to run a marathon. Walking is fine. Just get up and get moving. Now, both experts pointed out that the study was small. And in a larger group, the findings might be different. The study was also only done for a short period of time. Now, Bowden Davies, 
Osborne and Gangrich all suspect that if people who are at a lower fitness level stop almost all of that activity, that the results might be even worse. The study was presented Wednesday at the European Association for the Study of Diabetes meeting in Barcelona. Findings presented at meetings are typically viewed as preliminary until they are published in a peer-reviewed journal. I love this because we always tell people, hey, it takes 14 days. You always say that. To decondition. Yeah, you always say that. So don't be stopping yeah. too long. That's why I like when I don't go swimming for a couple of days, I'm like, I got to jump right back in that pool. You got to jump 14 back. 14 days and you will have lost everything that you have tried That's to work it. for. Yeah. Yes. But if you yeah. stay in that mode. Right. Once you start again, you can get back exactly. quickly to seeing exactly. those same fitness yep. results. Exactly. Yes. Our next article, when we talk about suicide. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I really like that article. Let me just tell you a couple of reasons why. Um, mm -hmm. So this article is six questions that may help stop a suicide. So in any given month, nearly 4,000 Americans commit suicide, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That's about 129 a day. Among them in the last year were the suicides of two students who survived the 2018 massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida, along with the father of a six-year-old who had been killed during the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. The mother of one of the Douglas suicides, Sydney Aiello, said her daughter had suffered from survivor's guilt after 14 of her classmates, including her best friend, and three teachers died. Aiello had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. When I initially posted about Aiello's death on Facebook, all I could allow myself to say was heartbreaking. But I know from the loss of friends to suicide that heartbreaking is just one of the many painful emotions unleashed. There's also grief and anger. Mm -hmm. Too many times, this author said, I found myself asking, were there warning signs before the suicide? Could loved ones have done anything different? Frankly, these are questions I asked myself late last fall after a friend took his own life. This, is, this article is just so great. I'd mm -hmm. known James... For 15 years, we both suffered from depression, he more than I. We both had suicidal thoughts, his more frequent and darker than mine. So last year when Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain yes. committed suicide, I wrote an article about having been suicidal in my life. I was terrified to do so because of the stigma, mm. but I was convinced by some friends that it might help others. After the article appeared, I felt naked and vulnerable. But over the next several months, I saw the positive impact that my words had on other people. Thank you for raising your hand. Your decision to write about your own experiences mm. will no doubt give permission to many, many people to share their experiences and, and maybe even seek help. At the very least, it will help them feel less alone, one reader said. I sent James my essay and was glad that he told me he was feeling better than he, that he had been for a while. By contrast, my own life was stormy, waves of depression, rougher than I had experienced in some time, and I felt a lifeline to James because he understood my world. And then the week before Christmas, James took his own life, mm -mm. leaving a wife who loved him, extended family, and so many friends who cared deeply for him, including me. For many of those years I had known James, I had wondered how to help him, even though he was getting top-notch care, my answer. Be open about my own struggles. Initiate conversations. Listen. I knew that certain times of the year challenged him more. Always the dark days leading up to the winter solstice, and that's common. Yeah. Because, you know, they talk about a lot of suicides in places like those, the Big Norway time. and oh, Finland yeah. and all those places where it's dark all the time, the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And also weeks that included his birthday. Probably what, Alaska too, don't they? Right. Aren't they dark? The land of the midnight sun, right. This past year, I was distracted by my sister's cancer treatment. I don't blame myself for failing to be more close to James. That's a lie. Of course I do. James died one week after his birthday, four days before the winter solstice, when the days would have started to be lengthening and brightened. What could I have done? The typical risk for suicide, having depression, older age, alcohol abuse, are not very helpful at all in predicting suicide because most people with these risk factors will never be suicidal or commit suicide, said Dr. Freeman. Richard Freeman, who's director of psychopharmacology clinic at the Weill Cornell mm. Medical School. In the coverage of the two Parkland students' death by suicide, I'd seen references to Columbia University's Lighthouse Project, which has a tagline, Identify Risk, Prevent Suicide. The website provides a few simple but crucial questions that can be asked by a spouse, family member, or friend, even a teenager, to assess somebody's risk for suicide. They are challenging questions because if answered honestly, they may reveal deep truths and require a 911 call. Mm. Kelly Posner Gersten Haber, a Columbia psychiatry professor and lead scientist of the Lighthouse Project, developed the short questionnaire which the website claims has an unprecedented amount of research. 
the relevance and effectiveness of questions as a simple way to identify those that are high risk for suicide. You can't wait for those who are hurting to come forward on their own, she said. And I was dumbfounded when she said that half of all people who take their lives see their primary care doctors, I've heard this, about a month before they die. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Dumbfounded, but also aware that my own primary care doctor is is vigilant about my hemoglobin A1C, my electrolytes, enzymes called CPKs for my heart. He's never asked me about my mental Mm. health. So we need to start asking about suicide the way we monitor blood pressure, said Dr. Gersten Haber, Mm -hmm. and then start immediate treatment if someone is in danger. When I answered the Lighthouse questions, I was jolted by the potential gravity of my own responses. Although I didn't fall into high-risk category requiring immediate medical attention, here they are. Have you wished you were dead or wished you could go to sleep and not wake up? Have you actually had thoughts about killing yourself? Have you thought about how you might do this? Have you had any intention of acting on these thoughts or killing yourself? Have you started to work out or work on details of how to kill yourself? Do you intend to carry out this plan? And six, have you done anything, started to do anything, or prepared to do anything to end your life? A yes answer to any of these questions is meaning that medical care is needed sooner rather than later. But the last three are the hot-button questions. If the answers to four and five about have you thought about, have you figured out a way to do it, do you know how you're going to do it, if you're prepared to do anything, 911. There it is. 911 or call 1 800 273 8255. These are emergencies for personal care. Then, in all capital letters, comes this action don't leave the person alone. Stay with them until they are in the care of a professional help. And what I like about this is that he said, she said, the same way that we have the signs and symptoms for the beginning of a stroke. When we see somebody getting ready to have a stroke with droopy yes. mouth and slurred speech, we, just we talked get about them that. to the doctor. Yeah, we talked about immediately. That. And it's so called it what? should be the fast. Same. Right, fast. Face drooping, arm weakness, and speech difficulty mm-hmm. equals time to call 911. And we should be doing this with mental health yes. kind of things. When somebody answers those questions, or we know that somebody's doing something to prepare for ending their life. What I want to interject, oh, first of all, if you are in crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Mm-hmm. The number, again, is 800-273-8255 or text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. Both of these are 24-7. Additional resources are on speakingofsuicide.com slash resources. I want to interject that I was, I'm a patient at the Cleveland Clinic. hmm And I went up there a couple of weeks ago with my back and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed. The Cleveland Clinic gets it. Mm -hmm. Do you know I was there for lumbar stenosis and all these other issues that I have? Not all these other issues, just a lumbar stenosis. The intake nurse who was checking me in and stuff asked me these questions. And maybe even more because I just kept sitting there like, why is she asking me all these Ah. mental health questions? It's part of their... Okay, the assessment. Assessment, Yes. Cleveland Clinic gets it. Now, I don't know what any other organizations are doing. Mm. I was here for something totally different. I was in the orthopedic surgery, neurosurgery department. Mm. And before I even, she even got to taking my blood pressure or assessing what was going on with my back or whatever, she asked me all these mental health questions. Very interesting. Yep. Yep. So the Cleveland Clinic gets it. Wow. They get it. And it's true. That statistic about people who have committed suicide have seen their doctor within a month. Because it's just like sexual health. There's some things that physicians don't feel comfortable. If you, and they don't you know, they'll look for your hemoglobin A1C for your diabetes and mm-hmm. check your blood pressure and do all that. But mm-hmm. how are you feeling? You know, I walked in the room last week and one of my patients said before I could, she's, doctor, how are you doing today? And you almost probably I had just a- about <laughs> passed out. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. <laughs> Nobody asked how we're doing. That's it. You know, and so oh, physicians wow. get burned out. Big time. We have stress and all of that. And it's a rare day that somebody will say to us, how's your day doing? And so it's just like with patients, physicians, it's another one of those, like they don't deal with sexual health issues. They need to deal more with mental health issues. Yes. And I think that- Some of these, I think Medicare and Medicaid, I don't know if they're doing it now, may have you, you got to click off the box that you've done a mental health risk assessment on your patients in order to get paid. 
Very interesting. You know, they make us yes. click off the boxes for yes. this. You got to click off this box and click mm-hmm. off this box and click off this box in order to code for a certain code. And if you don't click off a box, I mean, I'm saying that some people lie and they don't do it, but I'm just saying it well, might bring to somebody's attention right. and that they're saying you mm-hmm. need to do a mental health assessment. Because mm-hmm. like this article said, if you answer four, five, that's, and six, mm, that's 911. That's 911. That's 911. Wow, so, so that's yeah. interesting that deep. Cleveland. Yeah, and like I said, I'm really big on these soldiers and stuff. And, you know, there's a, not and a lot of mental health. that's why they're doing that, too. Right. Not a lot of mental health resources. The, the mm-hmm. mental health resources have been cut back. They're, you know, in my day, you there were places where people went who had mental Those are gone. And most of these people are treated as outpatients. You know, and so you got them running around being half treated, half assessed, and all of that. So it's a major problem in this country and other countries as well. Good for them for, do, for, for for doing these uh, six question assessments. And Don't you think more physicians need to do that? Yeah, Cleveland Clinic gets it. I have to give them kudos because okay, I kept well, going. Kudos. I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, like well, I got to get out of here. You know. <laughs> The but at least she, look, she at least she knew that you weren't need of suicide, no, whatever. No, but but, but you, still at least you and know, all, she made she, me go through the process. That's it. At least she knows. And that was it. Was like I was held hostage, which was a bad thing to say. But she before she even <laughs> took my blood pressure or really? anything to even see the doctor, oh I had to answer these questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, when I, my first visit there, when I first signed in, mm-hmm. they give you a list of questions about your health and so forth, written. On my initial assessment when I went to the Cleveland Clinic were all these, about a page full of questions on mental health. Very interesting. So they get it. They get it. They get it. Wow. Yeah. So kudos to the Cleveland Clinic. Kudos to the Cleveland Clinic. Yep. I know. Well, our last article, right quick, will be how to keep your bones strong and prevent fractures. And so this is written by Health Day News on Vicky Doe Fitness. And it says, if you're a young adult, start thinking about your bone health. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have one of my colleagues come and she's going to talk about the vasculature. Mm -hmm. uh, Because most people don't think of bones has Mm -hmm. a whole network of blood vessels Mm -hmm. within the bone. Mm -hmm. And give us some latest, newest research, Dr. Rhonda Prisby. So we can't wait till she comes. Wonderful. But most people reach peak bone mass. That's the strongest that bone they'll ever have between 25 and 30 years of age. And this is according to Dr. Philip um, Bosha, a physician of Penn State Sports Medicine in State College, PA. And to some extent, genetics determines the peak, but lifestyle influences such as diet and exercise are also factors. According to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, bone mass starts to slowly decrease after age 40, taking 1,000 milligrams of calcium and 1,000 IU of vitamin D a day can help maintain your bones. You should also do weight-bearing exercises such as running and brisk rocking, as well as resistance training to maintain your bone and muscle strength. After age 50, the daily recommendation or recommended um, calcium take for men remains 1,000 milligrams per day, but rises to 1,200 milligrams for women, including those who are entering or have gone through menopause. Declining estrogen levels due to menopause can lead to rapid bone loss. All women age 65 and older and those between 60 and 64 who have an increased risk of fractures should get a bone density study. Yep. And this is according to Boshaw. If the bone density study shows osteoporosis, it may be reasonable to start taking a medication called a Biphosphonate, Mm -hmm. which you can get in a variety of forms, he said. Some are pills taken on a weekly or monthly basis, and other varieties can be taken intravenously. Other medications to improve bone density include calcitonin, which can be used. Oh, I didn't know they use it as a nasal spray. I didn't either. It's my first time knowing that too. Parathyroid hormone, Mm -hmm. which is taken by injection, Mm -hmm. and medications called selective estrogen receptor modulators. Boshaw said men and women who are 70 and older should take 1,200 milligrams of calcium per day and 800 IU of vitamin D. At this age, men become far more likely to have lower bone density 
increasing their risk of fractures. Some men should consider a bone density study as well. For people, and this is what he said, Boshar, for people of this age, avoiding falls is crucial. That's the biggest thing I see in long-term And you know that, right? Falls. Yep. I hold on to everything. Me too. I hold on to everything. <laughs> I'm not one of those, well, let me just prove I got quadriceps and, and biceps. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hold on to everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. Yes. But he also says maintaining balance and muscle strength through exercise and maintaining strong bones through adequate calcium and vitamin D intake can help decrease the risk of severe fractures from falls. And that's the biggest thing that I see. Oh, my gosh. The biggest and and head injuries from falls. Yeah. Elderly people. They fall, hit their head. Then they're in the hospital with a subdural, epidural, whatever, hematoma and fractures and all that. For the elderly, that is huge, Mm. huge, you know, broken hips and all of that. And that starts the slippery slope. Doesn't that it? That starts a slippery Usually slope. Usually when, when someone that's elderly yep. fall. That starts the slippery slope. And they break slope. their hip yep. or they do whatever. We all just go, ugh. That's the slippery slope. I hold on to everything. Yeah. What you say? Everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. Yes. Most deaf. All right, D. Well, that ends our show. Do you have some tips that we should think about? Well, I think, you know, we talked a lot about today. Again, you know, going back to my big thing is uh, sexual health awareness mm. and suicide prevention. Those are two big topics that I like today. Mm-hmm. The sexual health awareness and suicide. Again, making sure that healthcare professionals are mindful of it and try to do a risk assessment of the patients yes. that come in for both sexual health awareness issues and suicide prevention. Right. Yeah. It's not just doctors any day because most people, my person that I see at the clinic is a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. So you don't see doctors anymore. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's healthcare professionals. Healthcare professionals. Right. And we should all think about that. Even those yeah. of that have people coming in for exercise and nutrition, mm-hmm. you should have some part where you're talking about their total well-being. Exactly. Because it's a missed opportunity if you it's don't. It's a missed opportunity. And then you refer them. Correct. To. Correct. A physician. That's Correct. how you do that. Correct. We all should Correct. be in the process of referring somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And even the primary care, refer those folks to infectious disease. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. But exactly. ask, too. That's, yeah. the, that's the important well, you gotta, thing. You got to ask. You got to ask. And so I'm glad ask. people are asking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that big thing about PrEP, all those people out there that need it, they're not going to bring it up. And the physician has to, you know, or, or nurse practitioner or clinical nurse specialist, they have to ask. You know, ask. To ma- and do a risk assessment. Are you high risk for developing a sexually transmitted, well, not, well, sexually transmitted disease, which leads to the to acquisition of HIV? Right. So, yeah. So we had a good show today, right, We did. Dee? We did. It was great. Yes. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.